0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, last, uh, last week I told you that I had specific instructions to come at you calmly because the Lord was in the whisper last Sunday that is not the case today. So you will get a double portion of excitement and in your faceness. That's a term I've just coined just now. Okay? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start reading. It's going to be on the screen, so don't worry about trying to get there because it's just going to go real fast. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. The Lord has had that on my mind all week. And since Monday, and it wasn't the song, it was I'll be. I'll be real honest, joy comes in the morning. I, that's the only part of that scripture that I could have remembered come Monday morning when, when this came. But it's been on my mind all week. I've been recognizing this fact that, you know, we are going to encounter very difficult times. We're going to encounter uncomfortable times. We're going to encounter hard situations, hard circumstances. We're encountering that right now. We live in in days of difficult circumstance. We live in days of difficult circumstance. But it is important for us to remember the promise of joy. It is important for us to remember the promise of joy. Joy goes before you and behind you. It's all around you. And this fact that His, if joy is a promise to us, it's also important to recognize that His promises never run dry. They never run out. The well is always overflowing. The promises of God. It's important for us to recognize that. Joy comes in the morning. You can turn now to Romans 14. We'll start there. Joy is important. And there are some things about joy that I want us to discuss this morning that the Lord's just had me processing throughout this week. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is one of the three things it's saying right there that literally make up the foundations of the kingdom of God. You think that's important? I think it's important. We know that in these days, the Lord is removing the gray areas. And in removing the gray areas, He's establishing Himself in the way that He has desired to be established for a long time, but the gray has kind of gotten in the way. And now he's removed the gray, and now the kingdom of God can be fully seen for what it fully is, and it is righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm telling you, right now in these days, he is calling the sons and daughters of God to operate in joy and for joy to abound. Because there is not a lot outside of these doors to be joyful for. The world would say. We look at it with the Spirit, man, there's a lot to be joyful for. I'm grateful for the gray to be removed. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what that does for ministry. I'm grateful for how the Lord is establishing people. I'm grateful for the promises that He said He's doing in this season. That He's bringing people back. That they could operate in the fullness of what they've always been created to operate in. He's bringing them back. And He's choosing us to go out and get them. There's a lot of joy to be had in this. But the kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But how do we get joy? What is joy? Turn now, if you want to, or it'll be on the screen. We'll be in Proverbs 10, verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green... Well, that's not right. That's not the one. I'm I'm in chapter 11. My bad, but that's still good. Take that in. That's a bonus track, all right? You just keep that, store that for later. Chapter 10, what did I say? I don't trust myself anymore. 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The hope of the righteous brings joy. He just gave us the equation that equals joy. He just spelled it out right there. The hope of the righteous brings joy. And then now again, this is the last time, but I'm just making sure you guys are good on your Bible trivia. We're over in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Jesus is perfect theology, amen? Jesus lived a life that is attainable to us, amen? He lived the life that we are able and capable of living because He did it with the Holy Spirit that you and I have. He didn't get a different degree of it. He didn't get more of it. We don't get less of it. We got the same portion as Jesus. And He ministered for three years But He understood these things. And in that ministry of three years, we're talking about Him thousands of years later. We're walking with Him thousands of years later. There is a church established in Sundown, Texas, a place that definitely didn't exist when Jesus was around. Sundown's old. It's not that old. But we're talking about the impact. And He understood joy in a way that we need to understand. He understood joy. That the hope of the righteous brings joy. And he lived in that because there's not ever a moment where he was not established in joy. Because if he wasn't, and if joy wasn't worth it, and he had stepped out of the will of God, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but if he had, he would not have endured the cross. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Joy was so precious to him that he would endure what he had to endure. I don't think we fully understand joy. I don't think we've gotten any, even anywhere close. Because he was so willing. And there's a lot in that, that he was, he was excited to be done in that sacrifice, but for him personally, he was so ready to receive the joy that that sacrifice would bring. He understood joy in a different way. But the Lord is calling us. He has not made it to to be where we cannot understand the joy the same way Jesus did. He wants us to understand joy in the fullness that Jesus understood joy. And we need to understand that because Jesus didn't make any sense. We're not meant to make sense either. We're meant to go out there, endure what we have to endure, but for the joy that is set before us, we continue to endure it. We don't just endure it, just get through it, but we live and we thrive in it. It doesn't make sense for the world to be crumbling and for a people to be rising from it. That doesn't make sense. That's what the Lord has called us to do. That's what he's called us into. Jesus endured the cross for the prize of joy. So, again, Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous brings joy. So, hope. i got to go to my notes here. There's a lot here that I need to look at. Hope. We've talked about hope. Hope is holding on with authority, taking ownership of that which has been promised to you by God. If I'm flying a kite, I'm holding on to the little stringy thing, the the thing with the string. If I'm holding on to it, are you going to look at me and be like, that's not his kite. That doesn't belong to him. I mean, that's a silly example, but you're going to be like, that's Parker's kite. He's got the string. It's in the air. He's holding on to the string. It's his kite, right? Does that make sense? Are we tracking? That's hope. Very basic, but that's hope. Promises of God. I'm taking authority. I'm taking ownership. I am tethered to that which God has promised me. It is mine. I hold on to it with authority. Right? We read about that in Hebrews 11. Some of them didn't see the fullness of the promises, but they still held on to those promises. That was hope. They held on to those promises. Abraham didn't see the fullness of those promises in his life. But the Lord said your descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. He got to see the beginning of the promise. But he held on to it. He walked in obedience knowing that the Lord was leading him to the fruition of that promise. He was, he was guiding him into that. That's hope. It's holding on to it with authority. It's that tether to the promise. And now righteousness. The hope of the righteous. Righteousness righteousness is defined as the quality of being justifiable. We are made righteous by receiving the receiving of Jesus Christ as our Savior, meaning it is no longer I who live, but He who lives in me. I don't believe a lot of us recognize, and I say a lot of us, I mean Christians in general, when we make that little altar call or whatever like I did, I I got saved like ten times when I was a kid, because I get saved again every time I went to kids' camp. It was, it was a different time and different age, and they were just trying to get me to cry and come up front. Um, and some of you guys know what that, that's like and has, have experienced that, but definitely didn't know when I was coming up that it was, now that's his life that he gets to live in you now. Your rights are gone. They're all his. You've just signed up. You've signed that contract saying this life has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it is his to do with what he pleases. We don't recognize that. But the beautiful thing that happens in that is this is another thing that we sadly do not recognize, and there's so much power in this, if we would just teach it correctly to our children, that what happens at that moment of salvation is the justification, which is salvation for our spirit that we did not have access to before it was dead. But this moment of salvation gives life to the spirit. It's one of three parts of salvation. Justification of the Spirit, which now allows us to receive in fullness the Spirit of God and have community with that Spirit, have relationship with that Spirit, to hear the voice of God and operate in the Spirit, see in the Spirit, move as He leads. Galatians 5.25 doesn't exist without this piece of the puzzle. You can't live by the Spirit and then step with the Spirit if you cannot hear and see the Spirit. When we would have Ibi drawing up here, That's that's what spiritual sight looks like. If 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 you're new to this, go to our website. Look at our spiritual drawings up there. During worship, the Lord would show her what he was doing in the spirit. He's a spiritual God. We talked about this. So he moves in the spirit before he moves in the natural. And he would show her, and then she would get to draw for us what he was doing right there in the spirit. So we would understand what he's doing in the spirit so that what happens in the natural would make a little bit more sense. It's wonderful. But that's not possible without the justification, this part of salvation, this beginning of righteousness. It's giving me the ability to live by the Spirit of God and with the Spirit of God and communion with the Spirit of God. And AKA, that means now you have the ability to walk in obedience. You have the ability to now knowingly live in the will of God. This is that example of the backyard. This was one of those life-changing examples for me. The will of God is a backyard. If you exist in that backyard, there's freedom in that backyard. If my children are in the backyard with me, they have freedom to run and play. They have freedom to swim. They have freedom to swing on the swing set, play with the dogs. They can do a bunch of stuff back there. I can specifically say, hey, give me that shovel Help me over here. Or they can see me digging a hole and they can grab a shovel and they can come over and help. They exist in the will of God. And if they exist in the will of God, are they operating in obedience? Yes. Just by you breathing in air and breathing it out of your lungs again, if you exist in the will of God, that breath was done in obedience. It is that simple to walk in obedience. It's not always these moments where the sky parts and the earth shakes and the Lord says in some deep rumbling voice to go do something. It's not, it's not how it works. You get to live in the will of God. Therefore, you get to live your life in obedience each and every day. We know that there are things that the Lord has called us to. We know that there are things we're supposed to do within the will of God. And the Lord is he's not required to tell us. My kids know they make a mess. you got to pick up your toys. I don't have to tell them to do that anymore. They know that. They exist in the will of God. They can move. They have freedom. Jesus existed in the will of God and performed miracles in that place. Desiring compassion to be received by a person, He would move in that place still existing within the will of God. The will of God is important. Because the will of God, existing in the will of God, remaining in the will of God, produces righteousness. Righteousness. You are a righteous person in that place. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Righteousness exists in the will of God. Can you be righteous outside of the will of God? You can't walk in disobedience and still be righteous. See, that's the thing that we forget. It's not just a one-time decision and the work is done. You've signed your life over to Him. Therefore, the fruit of living this life for Him is only produced when you live this life for Him. That's righteousness. That's how we get righteousness. Existing in that place. The hope of the righteous brings joy. So those who exist in the will of God, remaining anchored to the promises of God, experience a natural byproduct called joy. The currency of heaven. And Jesus endured the cross for that currency. I do not, I'm telling you right now, I do not personally understand joy to that extent. I think I've barely scratched the surface of what joy is. But oh man, I want to know it to that extent. That I would endure a cross in everything that took place before because I was promised joy, because I existed in the will of God and I held to the promises of God. And I knew that in this moment of obedience, there would be joy waiting for me on the other end. Man, the world you know, I've, money doesn't buy happiness, is what it says. That is not true. I bought new things. I'm very happy. Very happy when I buy those things. For a little while, that's the thing. Happiness is an emotion, so therefore it's fleeting. So what do you have to do? I keep buying stuff. Money can do it, but it's expensive. But money can buy happiness. Selfishness buys happiness, which is fleeting. Obedience. Living for the will of God and not for our own will. Not not establishing ourselves that this will be my day, but establishing it that this will be the Lord's day that He has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. My life is His. It's not I who live, but Christ in me, remaining anchored to His promises that I am a son of God. I have been created by Him, for Him. and Remaining anchored to those specific promises. Those are general promises, but remaining to those specific promises that if I remain in the will of God, He will send me out to bring back the prodigal sons and daughters that are seeking to return home. That we get to be the ones that run out and bring that vessel of truth and righteousness to them and cloak them in it that they would no longer live the any more of their day in in the falseness of what the world says about them, but that they would, from that moment when we run out to meet them, as the Father does in this story, when we run out to meet them, that they would immediately from that moment on never go back and only walk in the fullness of what God has called them into. He's promised us that job. He said, that's yours. I've called you to it. He has made us a promise that we will be a pillar in support the next great move of God. We are that pillar. That is not a thing that is to come. That is a thing that we're experiencing right now. We are that pillar. What a promise. Holding to that promise and remaining in the will of God. Because the promises of God, where where do you think that naturally keeps you? In the will of God. If you're focused on the promises of God, you'll remain in the will of God. I love this story. Chris Ballatin's a pastor at Bethel and the head pastor there is is, uh, Bill Johnson. and They were flying somewhere and uh, Bill Johnson just had this notebook, and he's just reading through it. And, and Chris Valtzen asked him, you know, what is that? He says, these are all of our prophecies and promises. It's like, you just have, have those readily available with you. Yeah. It keeps him anchored. Keeps him in the will of God, and it continues. There's always joy overflowing because he's always in the will of God. And he's always hoping and hopeful for the things that God has promised to him and spoken over him and his family produces joy but he doesn't ever allow himself to check out of that place he never allows himself to leave that will of God he never allows himself to lose focus I was just talking about this with Steve and I said this several times Peter walked on the water in spite of the wind of waves the wind and the waves because of what he was focused and fixated on Jesus now it doesn't say this but my mind goes there and I think it's okay if you have a problem with it that's fine But it says that when he began to focus on the wind and the waves, and he began to sink, who did he reach out for? Jesus. Now you tell me this, if you get out of a boat and you're like, I'm going to walk on water today, and you start sinking, what are you going to do? I'm going to grab that boat. But what that tells me is he was further away from the boat and closer to Jesus. Which means he walked on water in spite of the wind and the waves. Because he was fixated on Jesus. Kept him in the will of God and he was able to do the unexplainable, that which does not make sense. What do you think those people on the boat were doing? Oh, what? It says in Acts 3 that people did not dare join them, the apostles, in this first church. The Lord was still adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. But there was also a group of people that were like, you better not go over there unless you really know what you're getting into. Because somebody came over there and just tried to fake it and they both died. A couple struck down dead because they lied about a moment of obedience. People were terrified. It did not make sense. But they were also drawn in. These people were being persecuted, murdered. The the people that had shared the gospel with them for the first time, their teachers were being stoned outside the city gates. Were being crucified upside down, beheaded, thrown in prison. Did they stop? Because of the circumstance? Absolutely not. Fixated on the promises of God. Fixated on King Jesus Himself. They remained in the will of God, able to operate in obedience. The price of joy, because Jesus walked in obedience, the price of joy allowed him to endure the cross. He was willing to step into that. Not my will, but your will be done. And he stepped into it, knowing full well the promises of God. Not just the promises of God that affect us. That what His sacrifice would do for us, that now we would have access to the Spirit. But also, He had specific promises to Himself, to Jesus. And the big one was, He would get to sit again at the right hand of the Father, where He longed to be. He wanted to be there. And He operated in obedience, because He held to that promise, and there was joy that allowed Him to endure all those things. So we don't understand joy. And the next saying about joy. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Joy, it doesn't say it it deposits a little bit of joy. It says it brings joy. It establishes joy and joy is contagious. If you've ever been around a joyful, not a happy person, but a joyful person. Did you leave being like, oh man. You may have gone in there like that. But if you were around a truly joyful person. You left joyful. It didn't matter. You experienced that which you were made for. And it rubs off. It deposits itself in you. Joy is contagious. It infects everything around it. So my prayer for us, church, is that we would be people who hope. And hope has been lost I'm talking about real hope. I'm not talking about just being hopeful that days will be better. I wouldn't hope in that. I don't think the Lord is telling us that joy comes in the morning because things are about to get easier. I just need you guys to hear that real quick. That reality became, it it hit me real hard this morning. Because there's so much joy in me. I'm, I'm so excited to give this word, but he's like, do you think I'm giving it because things are about to get easier? No, oh, no. He didn't say joy comes right now. He said joy comes in the morning. I mean, and the night is still, still coming. We're still in it. But we hold on to the promises of God. I'm telling you, I want people to look at us and not have a single clue what they're looking at. Be slightly terrified. Because where there should not be joy, there is joy in abundance. Where there should not be peace, there is peace in abundance. Where there should not be grace, where there should not be mercy. It is there in abundance. That we would look like the kingdom of God and we would be unaffected by what is happening in the world. Because we are, despite the wind and the waves, we are walking on the water. Because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Our eyes on. fixed are fixed. Just think about the promises that He's promised you and your family. Can you recite them in your head? Can you think about them? And does reflecting on them, doesn't it leave you in a better place? Man, times are tough. Look at those. They will keep you grounded in the will of God and they will produce joy in you. So let's be people that exist in the will of God. Let's be people that know joy as Jesus knew joy. I want to know joy. That is my prayer for myself and for everyone here, that we would know joy as Jesus knew joy. That He would not waver from what the Lord had called Him into despite the physical consequence because He knew waiting on the other side was joy. The hope of the righteous produces joy. And the Lord has called us to not make sense to the world around us. So let's just continue to do that. Let's st- step into that in fullness this morning. But you got to remember the equation here. The hope of the righteous produces joy. There's, there's equations written all over this Bible of what plus what gets you what. How do you get peace that surpasses all comprehension? You live Thankful. Where there's thankfulness, there's then peace that surpasses all comprehension. Where is there joy? There's joy in the hope of the righteous. There's joy in those that remain tethered to the promises of God in the will of God. And when we live freely in that place, there is joy. And it's not like it's just a little bit. It's joy abounding. It's joy overflowing. It's joy so much that we would endure any punishment this world could dish out. And I'm telling you, what they put Jesus through was as awful as they could think of at the time. It was as horrible of a punishment as they could think of at the time. And he willingly and gladly, thank God, stepped into it. He knew joy in fullness. He knew what it was. He was there when it was created. He knew Joy. And Jesus is perfect theology and we get to understand, to that degree, joy. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Lord, we pray. I pray that we would be people that know joy. That Jesus knew that He would endure the cross for it. I pray that we would know joy in fullness. I can't even imagine what it it must feel like, what it must be like to live in the fullness of joy. But Lord, we want to. I pray that You would find us hopeful, hopeful, As we exist in the will of God, as we exist in your will, I pray that we would be tethered every second of every day to the promises you have spoken over us. That we would remain grounded in the will of God, operating freely in that will of God. We would hold on to the hope of promise so tightly. Lord, and that in that place we would understand joy. The night is here and it's not over. But joy comes in the morning. And that is a promise. If we know no other promise, I pray that we would remain tethered to that. That joy comes in the morning. Joy, it goes before us. It is behind us. It is all around us. Simply waiting for us to hope. I pray that we would be... That we would be a people that absolutely do not make any sense... To the world around us. But only because we operate as you have called us fully to operate in. Only because we have received all that you have called us to receive. All that you have given to us. We have received it in fullness. Because we exist in the will of God. We exist in your backyard. And we never leave it. Because we remain tethered to hope. In the darkest night, we remain tethered to hope. We remain tethered to the promises of God. And I pray that this would be a body of people that walk on the water in spite of the wind and the waves. Take us deeper, Father. Than we could ever wonder ourselves. And I pray that when we find ourselves in these places that you have called us into. These places would experience the joy of God. That they would experience the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. In us. And through us. Lord we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of joy. We thank you that you withhold nothing from your children. So there is is the fullness of joy just waiting for us. I thank you, Lord, for that promise. I thank you, Lord, for that reality. That joy is ours to take. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.